0: This is Marketed Not Live, the show that dives deeper into the ideas, philosophies and strategies of the best marketing minds. Here's your host, Biz Paul.
1: Hello and welcome to the month by Marketed Live, a monthly Q&A with some wonderful people who've given up their time to share some of their expertise. I want you to think of this a bit like question time, but without the toxicity, or if you're a bit posh, it can be like Radio 4's Any Questions. I'm Biz Paul. I'm here putting the questions to our guests today. They don't have the questions in advance. So all of what you're about to hear are simply raw views. Let me introduce our panelists. Sarah Clay is a LinkedIn trainer to B2C and B2B companies as well as solopreneurs. Her specialism is working with entrepreneurs and business owners to help them get more leads from LinkedIn. Sarah runs her membership, the Linking In Academy, where she works with entrepreneurs and business owners to give them accountability and to uh, help them learn how to make more money in their businesses. Second up is Charlie Wyman, who's the founder of Curious B2B Marketing and is the creator of the Otter Marketing Framework. Go and look that up. She helps businesses turn leads into sales with easy-to-apply systems and approaches. She's the host of the Curiosity Key podcast and founder of the Curious Marketing Club for ambitious SME businesses looking to scale. And what you don't know about Charlie is she's also an avid adventurer, cyclist, and an F1 fan. And finally, Ruth Wilkinson is the founder of the Consult Center in Morecambe, With 25 years in corporate and small business industry, Ruth coaches clients and helps develop their businesses with that corporate expertise, but without the corporate nonsense. I picked that up from video on the website. I thought that was epic. So those are our panelists today. If you would like to get involved and you're listening uh, on Twitter Spaces, which is where we are broadcasting live and you want to contribute all you've got to do is raise your hand uh, using the Twitter app and i will see that and come to you if uh, if i'm being like fiona bruce on question time i might you know like refer to you just using like what i see in your profile picture i might misgender you who knows all of the stuff that happens on question time all right so let's crack on with our first question all right is instagram really interested in the average user of its platform. This comes as the head of Instagram, Adam Mazeri, last week announced a whole range of tools specifically for creators who will be able to offer subscriptions. And one of the discussion points that I've seen is that this makes it a bit exclusive to people who have got that level of uh, following. So what do you think? Are they really only interested in making money or are they interested in the average person in the street trying to use Instagram? Let's go to Sarah, first of all.
0: Wow, good question. Um, I would say I don't use Instagram as much as I used to. And I don't really use it for lead gen. But my experience of of Instagram is that content is getting more and more hidden away and it's more and more difficult to get yourself seen on Instagram unless you're doing reels and jumping up and down and and looking like an idiot. So which leads me to think that it's basically just all about the money, which is a real shame, I think. And I think if that is the case and if it does carry on heading that way, then the platform is going to become very sterile and I think people will stop using it. That is my okay. Idea. Okay. Over so,
1: when <laughs> so Okay, and I finished. So, okay, okay. So that that that's interesting. Do you what do you think about it in terms of small business and people using it for small business?
0: Well, I think it's getting harder and harder for small businesses to to be you know to get a presence on um, on instagram and honestly the reels that i see are just such some of them are good you know and the people giving advice and adding value etc cetera, etc cetera. but some of them are absolute pants really really rubbish they're not giving any ent- well entertainment is about it if you call it entertainment but they're not adding value to anybody and i can't see that it's a um, helpful to them in their marketing apart from getting more and more brand awareness but as to adding value and showcasing what they really do, I just don't think that is what Instagram are promoting at the moment.
1: All right, let's put that same question to, to Charlie. What's your view here?
2: Oh, God, you're asking the wrong person. Like, I, My clients typically don't hang out on Instagram, so I don't pay a huge amount of attention to it. I think, like, for me, it's just more, it's going down the, it's trying to merge too much into TikTok for me, and I'm just getting annoyed with it. So I'm just, like I'm using it less and less these days.
1: Mm. that's that's interesting so i mean it, it, it is interesting what people are saying about whether it's just becoming like tiktok and what that means for the demographic there um okay let's let's uh, ruth what how about how about you because you also really focus on on businesses as well do you have customers clients that use instagram what what are you thinking
3: yeah but we we do In you know, answer, so i guess we, we manage um a great number of, of instagram profiles on behalf of our clients so there's probably a couple of points i'll probably mention on this is that i think instagram is interested in the average user as much as they are of use to instagram in the sense that if they can understand them if they can test them pilot them and gain the information that they need to then better be able to put advertising content in front of them then yes they're absolutely interested in the average, without wanting to use the phrase, user. So I do think they are interested, whether it's for a user's experience or whether it's for a really good um, and advanced data gathering exercise and um, would probably be more aware I might lean to. Um, Charlie's point about um, you know the TikTok element, um, I couldn't agree more. Reels was rushed out <laughs> literally like overnight, I think, um, in a response to a massive advertising budget grab that went across to TikTok and, and left Instagram um, looking like it had... You know, and um, turned up to school half dressed, really. So I think that was part of the issue there. Um, and I think, from a small business point of view, our clients that have the most success on Instagram are our clients that have got a two-click product, in, in so much as they can see it, it's tagged, it's connected to WooCommerce, it's connected to Shopify, and the client can have that item in their basket within two clicks. Um, and so I think, and I think they are aesthetically led products in the main. I would probably say is my answer to that question.
1: And so, very much feeling, therefore, like a B two C kind of of platform, and yet we see a lot of B two B businesses be all over Instagram at the risk of kind of diverging. The question is: there any point in it?
3: Is that to me? Um, uh, yeah, let me go with you. Okay. Um, I, th- I think. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, i think b to i think if you've got a multiple product if you've got a product which is stacked high in a warehouse and you can drop ship it i think it's absolutely for you i think if you're a service-led business um, and you're selling time or you're selling um perhaps professional expertise or service i think i don't think it's necessarily where you're going to create a converted lead going back to i think probably what both charlie and, and sarah have said in, in in different ways in terms of why they wouldn't necessarily be on that platform much anymore
1: Okay. Thanks, Ruth. Uh, I'm just going to co- quickly come back to you, Sarah, because I, uh, I I got a sense that uh, – well, I don't, I don't know. You do do Instagram reels. Are you a fan of the dancing and pointing and larking about for a business or not?
0: Well, I'm definitely a fan of larking about and dancing and pointing, but as <laughs> the um, – uh, and I have done those reels, those laughing, dancing, pointing reels. And actually, they do get the best engagement out of all of the reels that I do. My Monday, I tend to post a reel on a Monday, and that's about it now. Um, and it's a talking reel. And it doesn't get great engagement, to be honest. It's not bad. Um But I stopped doing the pointy reels because I just didn't think I was adding any value to anybody's life. And even though, yeah, I was getting great engagement on them, I'm not sure that they were my audience anyway.
1: Right. Okay. So just thinking about this subscription idea that this whole question relates to the idea of having a a set of subscribers that subscribe to exclusive content, do you think that is something that... A business could get involved in if it had access to that particular function. Uh,
0: if it works, yes. I mean, it does sound <laughs> it does sound like a good idea for sure. Um, and I suppose it's it's similar to your um, what's it called your preferences on your web browser and things like that, isn't it? You're filtering your content, um, so the user experience would be more focused on what they want um so yeah i guess that i guess yes I, that would work
1: okay so we will see whether that works whether it comes out i love the fact that i've picked three cynical people this uh <laughs> <laughs> <It kind> of, <laughs> just
2: something to, to that one like because like just on on the cynicism side of things like i think i think it's more around like where your market hangs out cause, like Years ago, I set up a forum, like an old school forum, um, for uh, the police and collision and forensics investigators. Because they wanted that very specific content, those tips, um, a place to have conversations. So I think if if we had that ability through a social tool to be able to offer that content on a subscription service, I know that a lot of the clients in the geeky industries I've worked in, like police as well, would definitely be interested in paying for that. Whether Instagram is the right tool or not, I don't personally think so for that audience. But I definitely think there's a place for it.
1: Great. Okay, super. Right, that's the first question. Uh, For those of you listening, if there's any comments that you want to make, don't forget to raise your hand, I will invite you to the stage and uh, have, have you in. For sure. Uh, Okay, our next question. Our next question. This is more general, I think, but one that's quite pertinent to now. With the cost of living crisis, squeezing business budgets, what can businesses make best use of with their marketing budgets? Or perhaps that should be how can businesses make best use of their marketing budgets? Um, Charlie, I'm going to come to you first
2: oh it's talking my language i talk about this like all the time because i think for me it's all about focus on on the priorities so um it's like actually understand what is your main focus because i think there's a lot of companies especially uh the companies i'm speaking to that are doing marketing because they feel like they should or because somebody's told them that they need to and they're not 100 sure why they're doing it or what it's going to lead to so i think for me it's like right really knuckle down to the basics like who are you trying to target where do they hang out and what are they looking for um and just like really knuckle down and focus on doing less but more um and and also focus on more of the commercial objectives. so i think You know, with with marketing, there should always be a brand and reputation building activity going on. But there needs to be more of a focus on the sort of commercially driven, like, you know, how is that impacting the sales pipeline? Um, How is that, you know, how is marketing helping sales move, you know, deals forward and close that gap as well? So I think it's just like looking at how can we optimize stuff, do less with more, but just being way more focused on commercial objectives for me. And then everything went quiet.
0: I think, I think, Charlie, what's happened is that you've you've um, given Paul such an amazing answer, he's actually become speechless.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, I was on mute, which is, you know, it's live, folks. We'll go with it. Okay, thank you, Charlie. Good, good answer. I like the way that you um, put that together. Okay, Ruth, I'm going to come to you next, please, on that one.
3: It's a difficult one, this, isn't it? Because budgets, cost, and budget are you know very different depending on what area, or sorry, what size of market you may be in, or indeed the customers that you're going for. But I, I do very much, to a degree, you know, agree with Charlie in the sense that I think, I think one of the key things is is who is the audience. So when you're going to spend that budget, when you're going to think about that cost. Are we throwing it out there or are we throwing it specifically at someone or a set of of potential clients? Are you needing to make sure your existing clients haven't forgotten about you and are you needing to warm up people that are ready to be able to be approached? So do you have that very focused audience um, complete with – a way in which you're going to communicate with them which is strong and more focused but also using some methodology whichever that may be that that particular audience wants to hear that particular message in that particular format so it may not necessarily be social media it may be something that's more direct marketing or whatever so um i think it's about efficiency um, in that in that scenario, and then possibly one of the things we've talked to some of our clients around is, you know, most clients have got an A B C D type model of the kind of client that they want to go for. Um, and rather than trying to spread bet some of that marketing budget, do we just go for the A's? Do we just go for the B's? And, and do we know what that success looks like as and when um, you convert that client? So I think it's about the right audience communicating to them. In those specific and focused way, um, in it in, in the medium that they are going to be more responsive and which will resonate with them more. So maybe not different marketing, so they're just you know paired back for real, real results.
1: And and would you advocate looking at um specific sectors or or a company going right, okay, well who are Uh, customers that are likely to be impacted less by something like this and focus on that? Would that be part of the selection? Um,
3: I don't know whether or not. uh, See, our market is very um, SME, so we're perhaps slightly different in that. And I think we wouldn't necessarily suggest that. I think it's more around understanding understanding where the efficiency comes from and who who is your likely converted audience. I, I don't know about anybody else on the panel, but I'm really surprised when I speak to some clients, when I say to them, you know, what's your customer look like? Give me kind of your top four, you know, customer profiles or your top five. Um, and there is either a deathly silence or there's like a bit of a, an argument breaks out as to who is the ideal customer. And, um, and sometimes I think that's often where a lot of the marketing effort and the budget can potentially um, become wasted. So... I don't know whether or not it's about that, Paul, necessarily. is It's about understanding, actually, I'm going to go out for this type of client and I know where they hang out and I know what they want to hear from me and I know how often they want to hear it and in what format. And I'm going to make a beeline for that. So just make more of a budget um, in terms of rather than spending more, but, but actually focusing it far more instead.
1: Okay, good stuff. Thanks, Ruth. Uh, Sarah, what are your views on this?
3: So the first thing
0: is that... I think it's a real shame and I think we hear this a lot as is, is that the first budget that gets cut when there's you know a financial crisis is the marketing budget when actually it really should be the, the first budget that's increased um so that's you know that's I hear that, and I, I just think that's really sad when people cut that marketing budget um I am very much as you know about <laughs> authenticity um but I think you can use your employees, and I talk about this a lot, employee advocacy, and using them to create content as well. And that's just not going to cost you anything. Um, and actually, Biz Paul, you're doing it very, very well at the moment, I see. Um, and I think it's really important now people want to really, really see who's behind the brand. They want to see the reality and they want to know what the people are like behind the brand because they want to work with the people, not with the bright, you know, the anonymous brand. So using your employees and your colleagues to help with your marketing budget, creating content, I just think is is a no brainer and it doesn't cost because they're there anyway. Um, And I think it's not necessarily about making your content look more sparkly and beautiful. It's about showing the authenticity and the reality behind the brand and I just don't don't think you need to be spending huge, huge, huge amounts of money creating content.
1: Okay, I like that idea about thinking where you spend that most effectively. I'm going to kind of deliver a bit of a sub-question or or, or comment, really, based on something that I saw from a, I think it was a TED Talk or or something like that. I I don't know. I've made it up that it's a TED Talk. It quite possibly isn't a TED Talk. Um, But it was a guy from... um, uh, company an agency that did a bit of research which basically said that all this talk about um, brand values and brand purpose and the, the sort of I don't want to call it like flowery stuff that that we talk about but I'm going to raise it just because you, you mentioned stuff about like personal brand or things like that Sarah is this person said that basically customers could not care less about it when their primary objective is what does it cost what do you think to that do you think in a time of perhaps recession, we don't know, or certainly a downturn, that things like brand values and purpose are still going to be important to people? Or do you think cost of things will will sort of outweigh that?
0: Good question. Um, I think even in a recession, there are still people with money. And those people, and you know, and there's still a lot of money floating around in certain circles and spheres, and I think those people will always put brand values first um and I think, yes, of course cost is an issue, but I don't think every in a recession it's not I don't think everybody suffers and everybody struggles um so it's a tricky one um uh, but I think sticking to your brand values, has to be a long-term goal.
1: Excellent. I think that's. I think that's a really fair point. That even in a recession, there are some people that have money. Okay. Um, I think that's a good uh, place to end that question. Uh, we'll move on to our third that question. On. Now, I don't know. I don't think this is controversial, but I saw this the other day. I thought this would. This would make a very good question. All right. You'll have seen these things about all over the place. We're talking. Awards. The marketing world loves an award, right? But the question is, does the marketing world need awards like Campaign's 30 Under 30 or their 40 Over 40 list? Do Do we need that? What purpose do they serve? Uh, Charlie, I'll come to you first.
2: Um, as I have like various soapboxes about um, awards. Um, Good, but- get on one. <laughs> Oh my god! I feel like it's probably one of my most viral posts when I went on a rant about like it, it was mainly to do with like women-specific awards. Um, but we went not relive that drama. Um, I think like of all of the awards that are out there, I actually think like best campaign and things like that are probably the most useful because you can actually learn from you know people that are submitting uh, campaigns to those awards and also who's won because you can kind of find out like what they did, why it worked. Um, you know, like, like you can kind of get into the nitty gritty of it. Um, personally, I just think like, you know, like 30 under 30 lists, 40 under 40 lists. It's just like, I don't know, what's the point? You know, like as marketers, we're always talking about the, like, you know, why should anybody care? Or then what's in it for me? I think it's it is it, only in, in, in the interest of the person that's submitting themselves for an award. And I just think like so many more businesses are cottoning onto the fact that people that claim to be award winning are there because of popularity contra- contests. They've entered it themselves. They paid to be there. Uh, not because, you know, they're actually any good. I mean, I've, I've worked and been burned by quite a few uh, market award winning marketing agencies over the years back in my days of not knowing what I was talking about. Um, and I, I genuinely don't believe that awards contribute to anything. Uh, whereas I think campaign-specific awards, they're just useful and they're interesting because we can learn from them and we can be inspired by them. And I think those sorts of things are great. Um, we just need more people to enter them.
1: Okay. Uh, Ruth, how about how about you? I, I didn't see a feature in the 30 Under 30. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: mm, now, why would that be? Possibly because that'd have to
3: have been 18 years ago when I applied for one. Um <laughs> I am. Um, what do I think about awards? Okay, so maybe this is a bit controversial, or maybe I'm just going to give you some northern um brutal honesty. So I um we've entered some. Um we have um then been told we've been we've been nominated for some and then been um told that if I'd wanted to collect that award, it's only a small snippet, X amount of pounds for a table of however many. <laughs> um, and um and then you come to realise that actually You've just been invited to a really fancy dinner and been asked to pay for the seat. So I think there's that aspect to it, which means it, it makes it feel a little bit dirty, really. It's kind of like, oh, okay, this isn't really about the talent and the contribution we've made to an industry. This is about somebody wanting to sell 300 seats or something. And that's me being very, very um, caustic about that. So I appreciate there are other ones out there that are not that way. Um And I think you talk about, you know, awards for particular campaigns, they're great, aren't they? Because they're very much focused on this was the intent, this was the objective, and look at these fantastic results. So they're very result-driven, as opposed to... Um, a company that, that you know, wins because they've written a really good kind of um, effectively tender piece um, into an awards process, but they've paid for the privilege to be there. So I think awards are a great thing. I just think which awards, and I think probably at times some of the really good ones that are out there maybe get tarnished with, with you know, a bit of a damp brush because of the just plethora of all the other awards that you could... Um, frankly nominate yourself for and award yourself if you had a big enough checkbook to be able to do it
1: right okay um all right thank you ruth uh, sarah so uh just in in terms of like specifically these sort of 30 under 30 40 over 40 the ones that are age based what do you, what do you think about those because i think it's quite interesting that there's ones that are related to age as though age plays that much of a factor what's your view there well you ask me about age um so
0: i don't i don't get it i absolutely don't get it if it's i don't know 20 under 20s maybe or 60 over 60s or something but i think once you're I can't see the difference between being a thirty-year-old marketer, a forty-year-old, a fifty-year-old, even a six-year-old marketer. I just don't get that at all. Um, I think that's just a tagline that somebody has thought is really clever, and it's a great way to make money. So let's have let's create an award thing. Um, awards like you know best newcomer when I say twenty under twenties, you know best newcomer to the business, or somebody who's con- contributed most in their lifetime to a business or to an industry. Yeah, I think that's valuable. But I don't get the age thing at all. No, sorry. Uh,
1: the, the thing that made me think about it was you've got 30 under 30 and then 40 over 40. So, I mean, for a start off, like, what happens to the 30 to 40-year-olds? But, <laughs> but I'm, I'm saying that, like once you get to your 30s that is that is the peak and then you're past it is it i think well, to you've also got to
0: compete with 10 more people because there's 40 and then when you're 50 if they do 50 over 50s there's 10 more
1: yeah.
0: or, or or is it that they're giving you more of a chance because you're getting old and you need a bit of a leg up
1: <laughs> like it's surprising it's 16, surprising 16. that, that you were 40 and you created a campaign or something yeah, yeah. Okay, yes. So, okay, so the vibe I'm getting here about awards is uh, meh, not uh, not really into them, unless they are specifically something that you can like that uh, thing there that you said there, uh, Charlie. Okay, right. Thank you for that. Um, any views on awards? Give us a bit of a wave and we'll uh, happily bring you in. Um, all right, final question, which I'm going to pose for you today, is... Uh, Again, I sort of feel this is like controversial. Um, Is the metaverse a real thing? Uh, Charlie. I don't know. I don't know enough about
2: it, but I'm like part of me is like really curious because I want to find out more about it because I think it's like that there are so many opportunities that it will bring. But then the other part of me Is a little bit more cynical and a bit like oh we're just heading towards like the matrix and we're kind of like moving our society into this sort of like weird digital world where people just don't talk to each other normally um I don't know I think I'm like very much in that kind of uh slightly fearful uh so cynical mode towards the the metaverse but I, don't, like, I really do want to like learn a little bit more about it. And I am hearing some like really interesting ways that people and businesses are marketing using it. So especially around like kind of taking um, virtual roundtable events and uh, doing them in the metaverse and making them way more experiential. I think it's going to massively impact uh, retail. Uh, I mean, I don't work in retail, but I think I'm quite uh, curious to see how that goes. Um, I don't know, I just think there are huge opportunities. Um, but like my little cynical side is just like, I don't like some of the behaviours that we're exhibiting, or we're being sort of funneled towards. um it, it's sort of promoting in society. Um, but then that's like, why I'm not a big fan of TikTok. I've tried it. I don't like the behaviours it it makes me kind of work towards i don't like the behaviors that other people are doing it's like this endless scroll um and i don't know i think it's going to contribute to a more divided society
1: but, well, so can you can you expand on that though in terms of what what you what you mean by um behaviors that that people might might have within quotes and quotes the metaverse
2: i think it's more like like the ability to hide or be somebody that you're not or right. uh, like i think with like sort of um, reels and tiktok it's this like kind of um i think was it sarah that said it earlier as well it's like people just don't have the patience or the attention to actually consume anything um in detail anymore it's just like it's got to be in sort of short snappy pieces whereas um i think there's there's the potential in the metaverse to do longer experiences to kind of bring people out of themselves but i think as well like i don't know like being able to hide be somebody that you're not I mean, I'm saying all of these things. I don't understand enough about it, to be honest. So I am super curious, but I'm very wary um, about how it's going to impact us as a society. And I think it might divide us rather than bring us together based on what I know so far.
1: Okay. Interesting views there. Uh, Sarah, what's your view on the metaverse? I'm sure you're an expert by now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Of course I am. Well, I did learn quite a lot about it when I was at social media marketing world this year Um, because obviously there's a lot of yeah 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 big time really big time bitcoin and all that kind of thing Um, I mean it's absolutely fascinating when and I'm the kind of person that when I'm you know told something new I love it because it's just exciting and new and wonderful and then I go away and I think what is that exactly what is it what really what is it Um, and I think it's yeah it's going to get bigger it's going to take over and if you think about you know back in the day when people were talking about the internet people were like oh no no we don't like that we don't we know we can't you know we can't spend all our days on computers and look at us that's what we're doing that's what we're doing right here right now you know um and i think yes it's going to grow yes we're all going to be using it in some way or another and some people will use it more than others and i think as long as we are very careful how we use it, yes, it can. I do think it can enrich our lives and, and make our lives better in some ways. But, it, it, but like with anything, if we use it badly, it's going to have a poor effect on us. So it's just about being careful. And there are going to be people who... Live it, eat it, breathe it and sleep it and that's all they do. And there are going to be people who dip in and out. hopefully that's still going to be possible. And I think there will, hopefully there will be positive things that it can bring our lives, but apart from that, that's about all I know, I'm
1: afraid. Well I have to say that was quite the answer for someone who says they don't really know much about, about it. <laughs> I think you know quite more than more than most. Um, all right uh, Ruth, uh, how, how about you? Any any views, any experience of it today?
3: Yeah, I, I think I, I, I'm probably quite nervous, I think, in, in terms of, I mean, there's some, obviously, it's an all-encompassing um, theory, and it's not just about some parts of virtual reality, of course, but there are there are some parts of it that I think, um, as, as Charlie rightly said, are a huge opportunity. You think about, you know, virtual visits and try-ons and all that kind of stuff would be hugely beneficial for a retail industry and hugely beneficial for a shopper if they can't get to where they need to be and all of those kind of things are very kind uh, of, Small focus level. Um, I do have a real cause for concern in terms of will it just promote a, a further lack of connection or a desire to connect um, with people um, in a real-world environment? So will this then in, in itself lead to people almost self-isolating but yet feeling that they're in the middle of everything but yet having no physical connection with with other people? And that probably concerns me more from a next-generational level you know, in terms of our social skills and abilities and how that would um, pan out. Um, And then, of course, it's got another good side to it. It may allow people to explore experiences they otherwise wouldn't be able to access. So it has some positives. I just don't know how anyone would police anything that huge um, and that developmental to ensure it was a safe space for everybody to gain from it what they may
1: need to do. Excellent. Okay. Well, I so I'd take it from our conversation here. There are mixed, uh, mixed views. Some concerns around that, um, because we perhaps don't know as as much as we we could know. Uh, a, a really good person to follow, actually. Well, there's a couple of people. I'd say if you wanted to learn what the ambitious nature of the the or metaverse, or metaverses, or, or however we need to refer to it, because I think that's not exactly clear either. Uh, Brian Fanzo is doing quite a lot of uh, content on, on that. He's all in on uh, NFTs and all the rest of it. Big friend of Marketed Live, Brian. Uh, but actually, James Whatley, um, otherwise known as Whatley Dude, on Twitter, very good at... Uh, kind of giving us a reality check on uh, on on this metaverse idea and, and what's what's in it i think the issue i have with it is the the trying on of things and augmented reality and clothes and all that kind of stuff that, that we should be able to do is great unless you're in meta's horizon because you don't have legs in meta's horizon you just have a body and a head and arms so don't be trying to learn trousers Okay. So, um again, unsure about the Say the... hey, that again. In, well, you don't in in Horizon, you don't have legs. You're just an avatar without legs. So, oh, you kind big... of hover around. Yeah. Uh, which I don't I don't really understand why you don't have legs.
0: Yeah, to be honest. Quick. I mean, obviously
1: some people don't have legs in real life and, you know, fair enough, but you do, you just don't have legs a... You know, I just don't understand it. Um, but I, like you, don't understand a lot about it anyway. You're not walking anywhere, Paul. That perhaps might be part of the problem. <laughs> yes, well, yes, I suppose. <laughs> They're I'm totally not loading. required.
3: They've just decided no. that you don't need them, so they just can't be bothered to put the effort in, possibly.
1: Poss- quite possibly. <laughs> quite possibly. We'll see. But what they do is quite a good, um, like I say, good guy for giving you like real-life stuff, and it, it sort of debunks a few things where people are talking about Things like Fortnite and Roblox being metaverses when you said they're just video games. So, um, yes, lots to discover on this. I think the, we're getting a lot of noise, obviously, in marketing about the, what the opportunities are in terms of the metaverse, but obviously it is very early days. So, I would expect us to be discussing that more in the future. All right. Well, look, I think that's the end of our questions uh, for today. um So, I want to thank All of my guests here, Sarah Clay, Charlie Wyman, Ruth Wilkinson, for being part of our fantastic panel. Some great discussions. I really appreciate the time that you've given today. Uh, We are here again at the end of next month, which uh, he says, trying to quickly look at what the date is. uh, It's Monday, the 29th of August. So that's a bank holiday. So that will be an interesting one uh, to see who's committed uh, to join us and who is having a barbecue uh, and has had too many already. But we will see. Um, but that will be at five o'clock at the same time we'll have, we'll have more questions for our guests. If you're listening today, don't forget to grab your ticket to our next Marketed Live event called Creative Climber in Birmingham on Thursday, the 8th of September, 2022, with incredible session leaders from Katie Leeson from Social Change, Jay Richards From Imagine Insights, we've got the delightful Annie Litchfield from Lotes HR doing a great session on well-being and many other sessions there. It's facilitated. It's going to be structured so there's plenty of opportunity to discuss and have conversations about each of the sessions topics. We are spreading them out a bit so that discussion can happen. It's an event that is different to our previous events, but still carries that same marketed live vibe. Uh, and fun element to it as well. And of course, the whole point is that you will be incredibly well-educated after the event. You can even get a 20% discount if you use my speaker code, BizPaul, at the checkout. Otherwise, I'll say thanks very much for listening today. Today's producer, Kieran Marshall at Lightmind My Media. I'm BizPaul. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.
0: You've been listening to the Marketed Not Live podcast. Want to go even deeper? Then book your ticket to one of our events where you'll learn more about specific ideas, strategies, and practical ways to improve the results you get from your marketing activity. Visit marketed.live for what's on and how to book.
2: of the Like Mind Media Network.